This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Katie Bulls. A former Foreign Office official has written to the Parliamentary Commissioner for Standards saying that Boris Johnson was briefed in person about a former Whitehall complaint against Chris Pincher. James, can you tell us the details of what's emerged this morning? So Simon McDonald was the Permanent Secretary at the Foreign Office and he has written to the Parliamentary Commissioner for Standards saying that Number 10's version of events, despite having changed yesterday, is still not accurate about what was known about Chris Pincher. Simon McDonald alleges that there was an investigation into Chris Pincher when he was at the Foreign Office over his behaviour, which uh, Simon McDonald suggests was not dissimilar to Chris Pincher's behaviour at the Carlton Club last week, and that this process were played out and Chris Pincher apologised. And Simon McDonald says that Boris Johnson was briefed on what had happened. Now, Dominic Raab said that Boris Johnson had told him he hadn't been briefed on what had happened, but I think the problem for the government right now is that while as a kind of categoric denial back in the day... Would, would be people say, OK, right, there we go. Number 10's story has shifted around enough on this that, that it's not cutting the mustard at the moment. And I think when you talk with story MPs this morning, there is exhaustion and despair that, again, you know, there is a, something's come out that is going to keep this Chris Pincher story in the news, make it impossible for the government to get a hearing on anything else. And there's also another form of despair, which is after Partygate, you know, Boris Johnson's allies told Tory MPs, you know, they changed the way number 10 worked, they professionalised it, the same mistakes couldn't happen again. And the same mistake of having a story that, 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 that shifts, that you don't get everything out there straight away, you know, appears to be happening all over again. Katie, the Cabinet met this morning, they won't be happy, will they? Well, we've had some photos coming from that Cabinet meeting, um, and yeah, they, they don't look happy, I think it's fair to say, Um it's one of those ones where actually, you know, you can you get the sense, I think, A, from speaking to ministers, but two, from just looking at some snapshots, you know, no one's trying to put on a happy face here. And I think it's just adding to this growing sense that the government is in disarray and potentially the wheels are actually just coming off the government. It's been building up on the pincher story. I think that there was a sense that it was mishandled from the Friday and obviously the intervention this morning just adds more pain to that. We can expect a likely, you know, Labour will try and have an urgent question on the issue. Questions of Boris Johnson. We had the lobby briefing coming up at lunchtime where Number 10 are going to have to explain why their story has changed so many times. Have they misled journalists? What's been going on there? And I think... There is just this, uh, this, I think the change is that those ministers who tend to be pretty loyal are now saying this is getting to a point where they are also very uncomfortable and they're struggling to put any spin on it whatsoever. I had one figure say to me, you know, well, we knew we were doing a deal with the devil, but we thought the devil was competent. I think that's the growing issue. James, do you think the government will be able to get on top of this now or has the story run too far? I think the story is just in a place now where more and more things will keep coming out and Downing Street have got to kind of work out what their line is and they've also got this problem which is they have a credibility issue which is that you know whatever they say people will say well it's Simon McDonald's word against yours and and it won't be like a situation where number 10's word is enough to shut this thing down and I think the problem they've got is how as, as Casey said you know 
people are yearning for some calm and some professionalism. And number 10 made a big play of the fact that it changed, you know, that this was, a, this was going to be a, a more professional outfit. And you look at how this has been handled. And from the moment Chris Bincher resigned, there was no need to brief out that that was punishment enough, but, you know, nothing else was happening. You could just have stuck with, you know, there's now an investigation, that investigation will come to a conclusion. I mean, the other danger is that once these sleaze scandals get going, they go on more things get dragged into them. And what you might be able to say well, was a one-off, it comes to be seen as symbolic of a government that is tired, broken. You know, this is, these are the problems. And I think that, I, think that I, I, I was very struck by the fact that this morning an influential Tory MP who voted for Boris Johnson in a confidence ballot called me this morning and said, just please, God, make it stop. There is just patience. Is is, is I think wearing thin is um, uh, might be might be understating the, the mood. Katie, if Tory MPs are exhausted and as James says want this all to stop, what's the outlet for this going to be? Is it going to be the nineteen twenty two elections that are coming up? Yeah, I think that while it to me it does feel as though it's reaching a boiling point, and for many, the pinch of story could be the last straw. Is it still? the case that Boris Johnson is safe for the time being I think it's still very unlikely that things would move at such a pace that you know for example this week instead as you say you've got the elections the 1922 elections which are you know currently in the process of um, building up to the vote and that is a slate of candidates who would have the power to change the rules those who make the new executive and this could I think help push it in favour of those who um, are not Boris Johnson loyalists so I think you could fairly say given it's only backbenchers who vote in this the electorate for picking members of the executive tend to be those who aren't Boris Johnson loyalists anyway or at least the majority won't be because they're not people who have government jobs I think it's also worth saying that Tory MPs regard that I think Katie's analysis is completely correct but I think Tory MPs regard these elections for 22 executive as one put it to me like taking out an insurance policy I don't think anyone thinks the 22, new 22 executive is going to change the rules before Parliament breaks up for the summer recess later on this month. What I think they think is that they're putting in place an executive that would be prepared to change the rules if they deemed it necessary in October. Now, I personally think you can overly obsess about the composition of the, ele- of the executive which won't stop me from over-obsessing about the competition of the election, <laughs> of the executive. But, but, but what I mean is, I think there is a roughly simple mantra, which is the 22 executive is there because it has been elected, as Katie says, by backbench Tory MPs. And if the vast majority of backbench Tory MPs want another vote because they think another vote would deliver a result that they wanted, then I think that they will, the 22 executive will change the rules. I think only, and, and I think, so I think we, I think while as these 22 executive elections will be a very, very interesting test of where opinion is at on the backbenches. What I think, um, what I think, uh, sorry, Max is just very, very skillfully passing me a cup of coffee over a live microphone. Um, they will give you a very useful indication of where backbench opinion is. But I think that I think I think that almost come what may, the 22 executive would be prepared to change the rules if the vast majority of Tory backbench MPs wanted that to happen. I think if we're talking about what could change now, I mean, speaking to a few Tory MPs this morning, and again, I think the common theme is exasperation. They're saying, you know, this will change nothing because the only thing that will change things in the coming weeks or months would be the cabinet 
resigned and are you about 10 ministers resigned now they didn't look happy in that meeting as we've just discussed but I don't think there is I think the sense amongst Tory MPs they do not they would be surprised some of them would be pleasantly surprised if you started to get more cabinet resignations obviously after Oliver Dowden following the by-elections but I think there is a sense that the only thing that's really going to move the gear change things up past that current timetable of potentially a crunch in the autumn would be um, senior resignations from the cabinet and we've said quite a few times on this podcast that Boris Johnson isn't a prime minister that's going to resign there have been a few reports I think one in the Times today of Tory MPs suggesting that he might have to if it emerges that he hasn't told the complete truth in interviews or to his own MPs do we think that's the case or is Boris Johnson just not a prime minister who's going to leave voluntarily. I think the thing that Boris Johnson could not survive would be being found to have misled the House of Commons. I think the question about what Number 10 have told the media is obviously not great, but it doesn't hold... Within the kind of constitutional system, it doesn't hold the same weight as the Parliament question. But what I think all this does do is... Kate talked about the podcast yesterday, as did Isabel. Tory cabinet ministers are are, are now kind of heavily caveating what they say when they go out. They're not saying, Max, I can tell you that, blah, 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 blah. They're saying, well, Max, well, what I can tell you is that I've asked number 10 about this, and they say, you know, it, 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 which, is, which might sound like a subtle difference, but I think it's an important difference. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Coffee House Shots. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. And to keep up to date with the world of Westminster, sign up for Unrivaled Insight and Analysis with Isabel Hardman's Evening Blend newsletter, delivered to your inbox every weekday evening. Sign up at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash evening hyphen blend.